On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. White, going the jab steps, comes up shooting top three, bam! Put him in the Hall of Fame! Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. What more, more y'all want me to prove, man? Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Joining me now, Matt Peck. Locked on Bulls podcast. Producing podcasts left and right, even in the offseason. On Twitter, at Locked on Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. I don't have a Twitter. I don't do anything like that. And I love what you guys do with the show. I listen to every episode. You guys are one of the best podcasts, period. Y'all keep going with you do best. I love you guys. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. It's 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 raw. You can just see the vibe. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. Okay, cool. I was hoping it wasn't one of those knucklehead programs. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley along with me as Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line 331-979-1369. Your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us at 331-979-1369. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Hell of a weekend, Matt, for the Bulls and uh, it started off bad. Uh, two losses were not great. Sixers and the Heat losses back-to-back nights Thursday and Friday. Turned it around with a bunch of lineup changes and a lot going on this weekend for this Bulls team. We're going to get into both of the losses and as well as the win and Donovan's lineup changes. But first and foremost, man, how are you? How was your weekend? Jordan, what's going on, buddy? What's up, Bulls Nation? Happy to be back on with you. Um, I'm excited to talk about uh, where we are now, man. Obviously, a couple of rocky games out of the all-star break. Um, I think the Bulls let a couple of winnable games uh, go. You know, uh, two more examples of the Bulls getting a little bit of, uh, you know, um, contact tracing luck in the age of COVID where the Sixers and the Heat are two teams, certainly one of them, uh, the number one seed in the East. Uh, The Heat had been on the up and up uh, coming into the all-star break, but both missing key pieces. Um, So it's unfortunate that the Bulls played it the way that they did. Um, But, you know, I think it... uh, wasn't necessarily a huge surprise to me uh, because it was more of the same issues that we had seen from this team in the first half of the season, getting out to slow starts, uh, you know, first uh, first quarter deficits, uh, not moving the ball well enough, uh, careless with the basketball. Um, and so Billy, Billy uh, addressed that and, and made some changes for it uh, uh, last night. And man, I didn't see any, we can talk about it a little bit, but I didn't see any like direct effect right away. There was some good things to note, but if you looked at the box score, it didn't look a whole lot different other than Carter having a decent offensive night coming off the bench. But still, going back to those first two games, man, yeah, it was it, it was brutal. I mean, the Bulls couldn't stop anybody inside the paint. Uh, they, let, right. they let Tony Bradley look like he was a Hall of Famer. I mean, he went seven for yes. seven. Howard had 18 points in 24 minutes, man. Uh, the Sixers... The Bulls did such a good job guarding the perimeter in both of these games against the Sixers and the Heat. 
The Sixers shot 61.4% from two without Embiid or Simmons. So there was clearly, for whatever reason, maybe to shake some stuff up, build some confidence back up, maybe some motivation to just to try something because clearly whatever they were starting with was not working. And I don't know what the solution is long term because I think even flipping those guys, I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make right away, but. Yeah, they got dominated, and that was part of the reason in both of these losses. Just got dominated right. in the paint. And I think like that may have been the final, uh, you know, alarm bell for Donovan to recognize that, like, look, even without Embiid, the the Sixers, I think they outscored the Bulls in the paint by like 30, 30 plus in that game on Thursday night. Like, how do you get outscored in the paint by 30 when Embiid's not even playing? Like you said, I, Tony Bradley, I was like, who the hell is this guy? And why does he look like a Hall of Famer going up against Wendell? And, and then the same thing. The, the Heat didn't have Bam Adebayo, and it wasn't as big of a, a, a beatdown in the paint, but the Heat, without Bam, still outscored the Bulls in the paint by 10 on Friday night. Like, what? what is that? How is that? So... I think we've always been aware this season that the Bulls are an undersized team. Your starting center up to this point had been a six foot nine Wendell Carter Jr. Your backup center, for the most part, has been a six foot eight Thad Young. Um, you know, Cornette's minutes haven't been real. Lowry has always played undersized for a guy who's seven feet. And and Gafford, you know, we have we've had some fun Gafford moments. We had the start Daniel Gafford movement earlier this season, and then we saw the results of that, and we know how limited he is. So knowing that the Bulls are going to be undersized pretty much every night, and we've seen the way that they've gotten worked in the paint, it's not like Donovan has a whole lot of great options to try to counteract that, but at least he did something that was just different. Try something new. I think that's a big part of what this season is about. You're going to get a better evaluation of the pieces you have and how they play together if you literally try every single possible combination. And we know that that four-person collection of Zach, Sato, Thad, and P-Dub had really strong numbers. Like I think a, a net rating over 17 when they those four had shared the court together this season. So it made sense to put those four together in the starting lineup with Lowry. But yeah, like how many times do you need to get destroyed in the paint before you do something? Seriously, man. And across the board too, like the Bulls opponents, even still in these just those two games, the two losses, the Bulls were still holding their opponents to less than 50% shooting. They were doing a really good job of defending the perimeter, but man, I mean, combine the the fact that they couldn't get anything within eight feet of the rim consistently. Teams were averaging six blocks against the Bulls, 11 steals, and then the just the mere scattered turnovers, 19 against the Sixers, and I think they had 16 or 17 against the Heat, in both teams, 10 and 11 and 9 turnovers, respectively. I mean, the Bulls gave it up right there. If you just want to talk about second chance points or points off of turnovers, the Bulls gave it up right there. And I don't know, man. I, I don't I don't know if this long term is going to fix some of the issues that the Bulls are having, whether it be not being able to stop two or three guys on a nightly basis. Like, look at those two games. Dragic and Butler scored 55% of the Heat's points. Howard Bradley and Harris on Thursday night scored damn near 50% of the Sixers points and they scored 127 points as a team. So uh, they got to address the issue. And I don't know if it's simply just flipping Thad and Wendell's minutes and staggering them in the rotation. They, they clearly need help in the front court. Yeah. And I think that's why we've been having all these conversations recently about, Oh, the, the Cavs are, are looking to move Drummond or, 
you know, what other options are out there? Might the Bulls, uh, you know, call up OKC and see what it would take to bring Al Horford in? Um, and, you know, I've even heard Bulls fans talking about LaMarcus Aldridge recently with these uh, latest updates from San Antonio that he and the Spurs are are working towards a mutual separation. And like Aldridge isn't even really that great of an interior presence at this stage in his career. Like he certainly plays more center than power forward back in his old days, uh, you know, when he was in his prime and the NBA played lineups differently. But like Bulls fans are, like are scrounging around right now looking for something to help our front court because for all of the guys that we have who are seven feet, none of them are, are very solid. I mean, I guess, hey, give it up. Lowry had a block last night, but like clearly <laughs> interior presence has been an issue all season long. So it'll be interesting to see if they address that at the deadline. It's like the Steph Curry blog. Everybody went nuts when Lowry blocked Steph Curry a couple of years ago. And it's like, yeah, he's not really a shot blocker. Uh, but yeah, man. We, we were at that game, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, no. We were I at think- the Minnesota game. We were at the one where oh, it came down right. to Jimmy I- and Zach. I went to that game with somebody else. That, that wasn't with you. I couldn't remember. But I know, I remember being at the UC when Lowry stuffed that ball back off of Curry's forehead. He's and I was like, back. that is the only other Lowry block in his three and a half year career that I could even remember. It's insane. Uh, I mean, despite all of that, we just spent the first 10 minutes of this episode on mostly the negatives and the, the loss, but... The Bulls had that game, man. They had the Heat game. As bad as the Heat shot and as bad as the Bulls shot, the Bulls held the Heat to 13 points in the second quarter. When you do that to any team, you should pick up the win. The Bulls went into the fourth quarter only down two, and they shot terribly, and they turned the ball mm-hmm. over a ton, man. So, And then they let Dragic and, do and, Dragic. And Dragic games. went nuts. It just, it's like, how often have we seen that <laughs> this season and last season where uh, you know our opponent has some kind of setup with one player who gets it rolling and then they just, you know, the, the Bulls can't get a stop when they need one in the fourth quarter. Butler took one shot in that fourth quarter. One shot. One shot. I can't let Dragic beat you. But uh, again, I thought it was they stayed competitive. And we can talk a little bit about some of the positives in Lowry and Otto's return as well. And how this all mixes into what we're going to see over the next few weeks leading up to the trade deadline. Uh, but first, before we do that and talk about a little bit about Sunday's win, Matt, I want to tell our listeners about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even has you covered for awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to Day and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code locked on when you sign up for an account. It's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You deposit $100, they're going to give you 50 for free. So go to Bet Online if you want to bet on the Bulls or the rest of the NBA action this season. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's episode of Locked Out Bulls is also brought to you by Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, and be better? Well, there is. And if you have just 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute 
SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids to start your day on the right foot. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Jordan, I've been using Headspace for the past few months now, uh, and it really is just uh, an amazing app. It's so easy to use, and I like doing that little SOS three-minute meditation sort of around midday, early afternoon to help myself just like you know reset my mind and get ready for the the stretch hall of, of the second half of the day. And then the, the wind downs to help you get ready for bed are also great. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier at Headspace's meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. That's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash locked on NBA today. Real quick, I just saw that the Celtics here add another big man to the list of I'm sure people are going to circle the bulls around is Tristan Thompson. Apparently, the Celtics are listening to offers on Tristan Thompson too. Uh, his contract too is pretty small. Like he would be a guy. I think I think he expires at the end of this year. If not, he's got one more year on his deal. Could be potential talking circle among bulls talking circles over the next couple of weeks. But Matt, let's talk about the win against the Raptors first. I got to lay this out here before we talk about the positives. That Raptors team, it was depleted. They're coming off a back-to-back where the Hornets just absolutely lit them up on Saturday nights. I think the Hornets set a franchise record for threes in the first quarter, and then they set another record for threes in the first half. It was insane, man, but I, I digress. That Raptors team wasn't fully healthy, and the Bulls were justifiably so able to pick them apart pretty easy, but Lowry Marketing, man, uh, first few games back after his injury, I think he's looked he's looked good. He's been the exact piece that the Bulls have needed and missed. That's the secondary score, a consistent secondary score. The defense is another issue, but at least he's scoring, man. That's good to see. Yeah, I mean, Lowry had uh, 20-plus point nights in his first two games back, uh, and then only 13 in this win against the Raptors, but it's because the Bulls spread the ball so beautifully, um, and nobody needed to have a huge night you know, Lowry after his game where he, he didn't he go seven of seven from downtown in his first game back. He had yes. a, a more off night shooting um, on on Sunday, just two for nine. But, you know, he was one of nine bulls in double figures. So, you know, I've, I've liked some of what I've seen from Lowry. I still want him to be more aggressive, putting the ball on the floor. Um, Stacy uh, last night in particular had one moment that he called Lowry out on that I agreed with where it was a little bit of a deep three, you know, Lowry's range. He's not like Zach Levine kind of deep. Um, and he had a lot of space in front of him. And, and Stacy said would have rather seen Lowry put the ball on the floor there, drive to the bucket, try and get a layup, try and get a foul and get to the free throw line. So hopefully we see more of that. And, and hopefully the dude just stays healthy and on the floor for these last 40 or so games so that, you know, AK and Eversley and Donovan have a better sense of what they want to do with him. Um, but, you know, last night, the fact that he only had 13 to me was like, well, great. It's because the Bulls were moving the ball and sharing the ball a lot. They had, well, I think they finished with 35 assists on, on 44 baskets. Like, 
if that's great for Lowry, that's great for everybody. Dude, and uh, low-key Patrick Williams figured out how to pass. And maybe Ooh, just man. maybe just showed His off the skill. Pretty. Dude, and he's taken like even in that Sixers game, he was taking point guards one on one, bringing the ball up and just blasting past him. Like I'm I'm blown away, even though he struggled in the first two games scoring otherwise. I'm just blown away with he continues to be more and more aggressive throughout this season. He's not as timid as he was twenty five games ago. I mean, if he's putting together the assists and they're moving the ball the way that they did on Sunday, man, I don't know. I don't. I can't even put a ceiling on Patrick Williams right now. But 23 points, a career high, was great to see him have that type of night. Six rebounds, four assists, and a steal, and a block. Just absolutely filled up the box score. So uh, between Lowry having an off night on Sunday, which is okay if other guys pick up the slack, uh, and certainly Patrick Williams did, and, and uh, you knew I was going to bring up a certain somebody. Flex on him, Denzel! Denzel caught himself in a heat check. Yeah, cool. He started 0 for 3, and then he knocked down his last three three-point attempts, so he finished 3 for 6, 11 points. But, like, when Denzel hit that last three and he just paraded around the edges of the court, flexing and talking a whole bunch of shit, it's as if he had just hit a game winner at the buzzer of a playoff series game five that was tied 2-2. Two to two. But really, all he did was just hit another three while the Bulls were beating up a very shorthanded bad team. Flex on him, Denzel! Denzel's going to Denzel. And so, like, enjoy those moments. I laughed. I, you know, I smiled. It was classic Denzel. But the amount in which that dude gloats for knocking down a few three-pointers is still just outrageous to me. It's it, it's it's good to see in a game where you just didn't you didn't need Denzel, but certainly was glad to to see him knock some shots down. If you're looking for him to be off this team by the trade deadline, you want him to be knocking down shots the next couple of weeks. For anybody looking for Denzel to be traded, uh, hey, if we can get some scoring off the bench, that would be nice. Uh, Kobe White too. He had an all right night, I guess. I mean, really struggled on on Friday nights. I think he went three for 13 off the bench. Just terrible. Uh, Same thing with Carter. But the Bulls found a way to put it all together. This is what you should do. You should beat up on bad, uh, depleted teams. And the Raptors were certainly one of those teams. And coming off a back-to-back. And also, too, at some point, Matt, we're going to have to talk about why the Bulls are bad at home. I I don't understand it, man. They're they're just bad at home. Eight and 13 at home. And And they've lost in a handful of ways already this season in ridiculous fashion. I mean, I, I've talked about it. my buddy, big Dave is just yelling about it has been for the last couple of years. It's because they're wearing red instead of white at home, man. That's what it is. <laughs> this is weird. I don't like this trend where it's like, Oh yeah, we wear white on the road and red at home. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> I wasn't sure if we were the Chicago Bulls or the Chicago AT&Ts. Uh, they <laughs> redid the court, too, man. I don't. I, I do love these black Chicago Art Deco kind of, you know, city edition jerseys this season. I'm down with those. I just don't like when we wear freaking red at home. Hey, man, I've been somebody who I'm on the opposite side. We had this discussion about a month ago. I, I love the Reds at home. Shows off your best uniform for your fans. 
that's where I sit at. But maybe you're right. Maybe you guys are onto something that they need to go back to the whites or continue to wear like the alternate black with the pinstripe or the Chicago ones. Well, and like this season's weird. Home court is not really a thing. I True. know that there are a small handful of players that are, you know, uh, ha- playing in front of fans, depending on the stadiums and the cities right now. The Bulls, you know, are still empty. So you don't have the, you know, the sixth man that is the crowd propelling you forward and giving you a boost. But honestly, if you think about it, while this team is still young and, you know, learning how to win, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that they're managing to win games on the road right now. Because if they get a few other pieces and the roster comes together and you get fans back at the UC, you got to assume that it's easier to figure out how to win at home than it is to win on the road. It's a good point. And the Bulls were finding bizarre ways last year to lose on the road, or they were just not even in games. They're getting their heads kicked in in the first half, and it was over before, before we even got to halftime. So, yeah, you're right. But I just find it bizarre that they don't play well. His, like, in this rebuild specifically, they have not played well at all across any of the years, the last four years. So, I don't know. If they can tighten it up at home, they would be in a, a really good spot. But, again, talk about the game winner against Portland and Golden State. That's two games they should have won right off the bat. So, um, let's talk a little bit about the lineup changes, though. We just talked about the win and the two losses. Overall, not the greatest start, but good to start the week with a win, especially one you should have had on Sunday. And sure enough, they pulled it off against the Raptors. But let's talk about a little bit of the changes that Billy Donovan decided to make at uh, on Saturday. And he explained a little bit why in post game and ultimately moving Carter and White to the bench and moving Sato and uh, Thaddeus Young to the starting lineup. Before we talk a little bit about that, Matt, I want to tell our listeners quickly about our friends at Built Bar. We've been telling you guys about Built Bar for a long time now, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar covered in 100% chocolate on every single bar. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is actually two very, very good flavors. One being toffee almond, the other being mint brownie. I'm going to have to give the edge to the mint brownie one. Anything that is has chocolate on top of covered chocolate, I'm all in. And it's only three carbs, three net carbs, I'm all in. Go to BuiltBar.com or check them out on Twitter at Built underscore Bar. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order. That's locked on 15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Uh, so, Matt, thoughts on the thoughts on the change? I had a feeling it was coming, man, because Carter didn't play the entire fourth quarter against the Sixers. He only played three minutes against the Heat in closing time. Uh, did you feel like this was coming? I mean, I didn't know if it would for sure, but I was getting kind of sick of seeing the same script play out. So I'm I'm glad that Donovan addressed it. And like I, I think I had said on this podcast, I certainly had mentioned it, uh, arguing a little bit with Big Dave, who wanted to see Kobe stay in the starting lineup. I was starting to advocate for putting Sato back in that spot. If something isn't working, try something else. It's a simple concept, but one that eluded this team's former head coach. And you, I mentioned earlier the net rating when Zach plays with the vets as opposed to when Zach plays with all the kids. And Donovan acknowledged that he also was looking at that and that it 
was backed up by the eye test. And he said, hey, let's try and not be down by 15 at the end of every first quarter. And lo and behold, when the first stop was made after that new starting five played their first, uh, you know, majority of the first quarter together, it was a one-point game. So I think what's most important is how everyone involved responded. When you heard some of the quotes from not only Billy Donovan talking about how Kobe and Wendell took the news, but how Kobe and Wendell responded to it themselves and how they feel, it seems like everybody is on the same page, which is it's not about who's starting. We just want to win. And guess what? Right now, at least, and yes, again, granted, against a shorthanded bad Raptors team on the second night of a back-to-back, the changes seemed to work. So let's try it again and see if it still works. I told you I'd have some patience with Carter, man. I'm I'm doing the best I can here. Kobe is just, I feel like Kobe's in a weird spot. So I'm just ignoring this whole entire season for Kobe as he tries to figure out to be a spot point guard, but also contribute as a secondary scorer. He's still super young too, so he's figuring it out. I think he's just kind of in this weird slump, but I genuinely, I'm willing to be patient, man, but I need to know a direction. And if the direction is, hey, this is still a little bit more development wise and we're willing to be patient with young guys, then fine. I got, I got to know that though, because if we're trying to compete and take two steps forward, I just don't know if Carter develops into the player we all want him to be here, specifically in Chicago. It's too early to say that, at least for right now, for me. But it's tough to like watch them play the Sixers without Embiid or Simmons, and Carter get dominated the way he did, and then follow it up by not having Bam in the lineup and get dominated by the Heat. Granted, he came off the bench against kind of a beat up Raptors team that doesn't have a whole lot of front court depth to come off their bench too. So I don't know. It's only a three game sample, but. It's frustrating, and I know he clearly has said he's frustrated by it, too. Bulls fans are frustrated. I just I don't know what the answer is, man. I, I really don't. I think some of it, and we've talked about it, is that Wendell's a guy who gets in his own head too much, and I was a little bit worried how he would respond to being put uh, in the reserve unit as opposed to starting. It was his first time not starting in his first two seasons with the Bulls since his rookie year, You know, kind of like what we are seeing with P-Dub right now. But he and Kobe both acknowledged that it's mostly about winning. Wendell even said, hey, you know, after the last three games I had, I'd bench myself too. He said, I see myself as a starter in this league, but I clearly was struggling with something. And instead of getting in his own head even more and responding to it by getting his head down, he and I loved what I heard from Kobe who said, hey, yeah, Wendell and I talked about it. And we just kind of, you know, gave each other a boost of confidence to say, let's go out there and let's try and dominate the minutes that we have together. And, and they looked pretty strong in moments. And maybe Kobe and Wendell feasting on our opponent's benches every night is something that can work. But whether it's your concern about I'm trying to be patient with Wendell or what this season is with Kobe, I think there was one thing that Donovan said last night that really resonated that all Bulls fans should hear when it comes to development, quote-unquote. This is Donovan. I think there are some people who look at development as just throw a guy out there and let him play through all his mistakes and let him get better. These guys need to learn how to win. The number one component that goes into winning is sacrifice. This was a situation where Kobe and Wendell were put in situations to sacrifice. They said, listen, Billy, if you feel this is the best thing, that's fine. We'll go along with it. I think that that is such an important point that Donovan makes because 
starting all of our young guys saying, well, this season is about development, so throw them out there and let them quote-unquote develop. Well, if they're getting their asses handed to them by our opponent starters every night because they don't mesh yet, how is that developing them? How are they getting better? And Donovan followed up with a thought that was like, if they if they were taken out of the rotation entirely, that would be a different thing. But they're just playing a different role right now. And at least in the first game, they embraced those roles and both did some good things in those roles. The other thing I think is important, as he said, it's not about Kobe and Wendell as individuals. It's about looking at what we can do differently and getting the best out of individual rotations, matchups, what have you. And that Donovan said, I've also made mistakes. He repeated it. He said, I've made plenty of mistakes this season. And that is another important difference from young guys struggling this season to young guys struggling last season. Because from the words of our former coach, when the young guys were struggling, it was always all their fault and not his fault ever. It's so important that Donovan beautifully expressed all the nuances that went into this decision. I'm with you, man. It's very well put and very well laid out too. And I think it's important too, like you were saying, like the emphasis on him talking specifically is like, it's not necessarily about Kobe white or about Wendell Carter jr. It's just about getting this team, shaking this team up and getting them to a point of where we can start correcting some of these mistakes. I think that's an excellent point too, to think about like, Hey, they're not out of the rotation. It's not the way like Boylan would do things where, He'd sit a guy for two or three games, get a DNP, and then all of a sudden play 30 minutes. It's like we didn't understand what rotations or what guys you were throwing out there. This is different. I I do like the fact that I feel like both of these guys would have responded differently to Boylan a year ago. And a guy that you can believe in in Billy Donovan telling you and saying, hey, here's a little bit of a motivation factor. Let's switch some stuff up. You come off the bench, work on what you need to work on, and get better. I think both of those guys 100% believe in what Billy Donovan is is telling them. And he's he has proof to back it up, too. He's got championships to back it up. He's got NBA players that he's developed to back it up as well. So, uh, like, having those two young guys buy into what Billy Donovan is, is telling them and saying, commit to this because they know what I'm talking about is nice. And he's putting it a way better way than I'm putting it. But it's just nice to see that the young guys are responding like you said and responding in a positive way and we're seeing that almost immediately happen and again i want to get too crazy because it was the raptors again and they were depleted but still it was a nice response after two losses right out the gate it was a it was a very solid response um let's see if they can keep this momentum going assuming that donovan sticks with this new rotation and new starting lineup against uh OKC tomorrow and then the Spurs the following day. These games just keep coming and this crazy second half of the schedule. They obviously can't afford to drop games like the the game last night. I guess the Raptors team in that tough of a bind. OKC maybe a little bit better than people expected but still not a, a very intimidating opponent. Spurs surprisingly good but those are two winnable games. So now can you take the confidence that you gave Kobe and Wendell to say hey be you and be aggressively, confidently you in your new roles. And the same thing with Sato, Thad in the starting lineup. Keep that ball moving. Take some of the pressure off of Zach when he is seeing defensive looks like the ones Donovan described from uh, from Toronto last night and get us off to good starts. Can you do that against more intimidating and quality opponents? Because that is the thing that is still 
eluded this Bulls team so far this season is getting good team wins against quality opponents. Last thing really fast, and we can talk about this tomorrow. Uh, Otto Porter, he looks like a dude who hasn't played in a long time. And uh, that's what I certainly expected against the Sixers and against the Heat and even against this Raptors team too, man. Uh, But I will also leave you with this. I don't think he's on this team when April 1st hits. I just don't. Really? I think listening to him, and I'm just picking up on signals, man. I'm just picking up on signals and things that I listen to. And I watched Otto Porter's post-game presser yesterday after the Raptors game. He did not seem like a guy that was buying into what was going on here. I think... And it's it's nothing negative either. I think he just realizes what his situation is. He realizes what situation the Bulls are in. To me, if he can stay out there and continue to play and he's got no hiccups going up to the trade deadline, I'm very, very convinced he's not here once the trade deadline passes. That's just me. That's the feeling that I have. I think um, his expiring deal and his usefulness as a player is a lot less enticing now than it was at the start of the season. I don't think that there are a whole lot of teams that are trying to desperately clear as much cap space as Otto's contract and sacrificing talent that's currently on their roster to do so because this 21 free agent class has pretty quickly dried up. And he looks like a guy, as you said, has been off for a long time this season, dealing with a recurring back injury that's always a red flag. And has looked kind of rocky and up and down since he finally has come back. So clearly he still makes sense as a hypothetical trade candidate, given his contract. But I don't think that the Bulls will be swimming in a variety of different offers for Otto that they think are too good to pass up. I'm not saying it's impossible or even unlikely. I would say that right now I feel it's likelihood is like, you know, somewhere like 35, 40% traded 60, 65% stays. They got to find the right fit. And like you were talking about only so many teams can make that deal for auto. One that just come, we would, I, I just mentioned it would be the Celtics. Cause they have the trade, they have the trade exception and it matches Otto's contract. So it's not like they would have to take on any money or you'd have to match contracts. That's somebody where I could see like an auto for Tristan Thompson flip. Both teams work out at the end of the year. If they don't want to keep those guys, both of them walk. It doesn't affect in the long term either of those rosters. But then again, is that is that worth it? Is it worth dealing auto for a guy like Tristan Thompson to bolster your front court? I don't know. But that those are the things that we should start thinking about as we get closer and closer to the deadline. Uh, but it will be intriguing, man. Uh, the Bulls got a lot of games to play, like you said, over the next couple of weeks until we get to that point. Hit us up with your thoughts, though. You want to work the trade machine and you've got a burning Bulls thought? Hit us up at 331-979-1369. Your text messages, your voicemails there. You can email us at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck and at LockedOnBulls. Hit us up again, text and voicemail line 331-979-1369. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Flex on him, Denzel! Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com.
Thanks a lot.